This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, MuggleCast listeners? If you want to make an impact online, GoDaddy.com has what you need. Get your own .com domain name for as low as $1.99. Plus, world-class hosting, fast and easy website builders, and much more. Plus, as a listener of MuggleCast, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out, and save an additional 10% on any order. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Because your two favorite co-hosts are not on the show this week, you can guess who. This is MuggleCast episode 79 for March 4th, 2007. So, hey, do you guys hear that Michael Gammon's having a baby? So he's pregnant? <laughs> yeah, sure, bud. Oh, <laughs> congratulations, Laura. Hey! Oh! <laughs> Laura uh, Dumbledore. Ooh. I hate you. No, I read on IMDb <laughs> that he, uh, his like 40-year-old girlfriend is having a baby in May. But what's up with Michael Gammon lately? He's been saying some pretty, uh, some pretty crazy things. Did you hear what he said about uh, Dan and Equus? <laughs> More importantly, he said, about he said, wait. something of Dan's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here, here's, the, here's the exact quote. He's growing up. He's a proper theater actor now. He's naked in this thing, so all the girls will go out and see it. I'd be frightened running around the stage with nothing on at all. When you stop running, one thing keeps moving. <laughs> I bet he didn't think of that. <laughs> I can't. Bl- I don't believe this guy. No, I love Michael Gambon. I think he's funny. I like him a lot. He's very yeah. upfront and honest. And I think he, that's he did cool. so well to be such a, a kind, gentle uh, father figure, in, especially in Goblet of Fire, that I, I think he should have a kid. Yes, that'll be very yeah. lovely. Because <laughs> he's such a calm and kind old old man. You, you, yeah. you, you just he's not the, he's not the kind of guy you imagine would would just punch your face in. Now or wait a but, second, yeah. Eric. Are you telling me that your parents didn't throw you into the trophy case? Because mine always did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that actually explains a lot. Okay, well, welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm Ben Shane. I am Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Mike Tannenbaum. And joining us this week, uh, he's a Wizard Rock all-star. We're very, very lucky to have him here. Alex Carpenter from the Remus Lupins. Hey, hey what's up? <laughs> now, now, Alex, I know you put this is probably the number one question you get asked, but I want you to explain it once and for all. Why on do our you podcast. love Ben Shane? I know. Well, no, I know. Besides, besides that one, I mean, the, I think the answer is pretty obvious. Good looks, the charm. <laughs> we don't even care. We'll, we'll stop. We'll just stop there. What's the um, question? Are, are we yes, talking please. about the same Ben Shane? What? <laughs> oh, okay. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I'm just joking. So, Alex. Why are you called the Remus Lupins? Why is it plural? The Remus Lupins. I mean, there's only one of you, right? Because Remus Lupin is a bad name for a band. 
So I, I made it the Remus Lupins. No, I just like bands that are called the somethings. So I th- decided to make fun of that by uh, taking a singular character and making it plural. If I'd known I'd get so this many I- questions about it, I wouldn't have done it. You wouldn't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. So you, you go on. You're on. T- you, you just got back from being on tour, right? Yeah, I was just out on like a week long tour um, of the uh, Northeast, which was a lot of fun. I got back and like immediately started planning my summer tour. So got tour on the brain. It's exciting. Mm. Yeah, and the, yeah. I just kind of pulled Alex in here at the last second because you know Jamie, guys. He he bailed on you. He's didn't have time for us this week. So oh, that's okay. Alex. Grace, gra- Alex gracefully stepped in. Well, since so, Jamie and I are basically the same person anyway, so... Yeah, I mean, practically, you're British, and... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. <laughs> better at badminton than I am, but... Yeah. Without further ado, let's go to Micah Tannenbaum for a look at this past week news, past week's news stories. A new report by Variety discusses what is expected to be the biggest summer in film history. Veronica Kwan Rubinek, Warner Brothers International Prexy of Distribution, talked about Order of the Phoenix, just one of the major flicks coming out this summer. She said the opening date is not an obvious choice on the domestic side, but it really does put our best foot forward internationally. With Harry Potter, we're going day and date everywhere except in the Middle East and a few minor markets because most are going to be in holidays at that point. With so many tent poles, the battle for screens will be intense. She went on to say we'll have between 6,000 and 7,000 on Oceans and over 10,000 on Harry. But that's going to be a challenge because there are so many incredible films coming. In other Harry Potter film news, Dame Maggie Smith, who plays Professor McGonagall, mentioned her return to West End stage in an interview and also how the first Potter film is her favorite. Daniel Radcliffe has signed on for the last two Potter films. A publicist for the Harry Potter actor has confirmed that he will reprise his role in both Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows. He's set to begin shooting movie six in September. There's currently no word on whether Rupert Grint or Emma Watson will return for the last two films, but Rupert has already expressed the desire to do so. March 1st was World Book Day, and a poll has been conducted to find that 10 books readers can't live without. Harry Potter made the fourth spot on the list, with 12% of the vote. The top three include Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, and Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Equus opened earlier this week in London, where it was greeted with enormous enthusiasm and praise. Daniel Radcliffe in particular received a standing ovation at the end of the performance, and many celebrity guests commented positively on his role. Finally, the Scottish Medicines Consortium will deny patients of a drug which combats an aggressive form of multiple sclerosis ahead of a debate on the drug, the reason being that it's too costly, 15,000 pounds sterling a year per patient. The decision also means doctors must apply to the health board in each individual case for funding of the drug. Well, what does this have to do with Harry Potter? Joe Rowling, who lost her mother to the disease and is the patron of the MS Society of Scotland, has condemned the SMC's decision. She said, I know from personal experience that MS can have a devastating effect on everyone who comes in contact with it. 
My mother suffered terribly with MS and it was so frustrating that there was little or nothing doctors could do to help her. If a drug can help tackle MS, particularly the very aggressive type of relapsing MS we're talking about, it should not be ruled out because of cost alone. Once again, decisions about treatment are being made by accountants rather than clinicians. I hope MSPs will speak up on behalf of the thousands of families affected by MS across Scotland. That's all the news for this March 4th, 2007 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. Thanks for that, Micah. So before we so before we move on to our announcements, there are a few things, new things we saw this week that Micah mentioned in his news, like some new picks of uh, Wormtail, the Thestrals, Grop, and Harry and Umbridge cla- Umbridge's class. Now, what did you guys think of the Thestrals? Were they what you imagined in originally? What you envisioned? No. To be perfectly honest, they weren't. I always imagined them to be a lot darker and more skeletal. Like I almost sort of imagined that. Their rib cage was clearly visible, and that wasn't really what I saw in that picture. It was a lot wait a minute, Laura. We have we seen the same pictures? Because I saw something that looked pretty much like a dragon with like a really large rib cage. Um, well, yeah, it looked like it. I don't know. It looked. I thought it was like too, an ostrich. Like I thought it looked. Yeah, I thought it looked too reptilian. I don't know. I don't know if we got a good enough look at it because it, you know it's it's a pretty small pictures. So. Yeah, I know. It's but, all these pictures that. I, I, what exactly do we know what's going on with that as far as Harry Latino and Dan Latino? Has Warner Brothers not put an end to their constant release of these low quality images? I mean, it, well, it, I, I don't know what's going on. I think, I think maybe they stole a, co- a copy of HP Scenit off the back of a truck in, in Latin America, I guess, <laughs> in Mexico. In Mexico. They just, they might, I mean, I don't know how else they're getting all these pictures, but and 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 Warner Brothers usually like sometimes when smaller quality images are released, they'll be like, okay, you know, we give you caught us, and then they'll give us like the high qualities, but we we don't have them any high qualities so far, but yet we keep seeing these these scenes that are like you know of, of even the new one of Tonks, and it's just I'm I'm waiting for right. for high res, you know, because it's just and well, without can do that with everything. Where do these Thestral pictures come from, though? Because they look cartoonish in a way. Yeah, that, that I, that's I don't know. The same that's thing with Grop. It was more cartoonish than almost that like we've a concept picture. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Almost like a yeah, a concept picture. Good, good name for it. <laughs> now, did you guys see the Harry and the Weasley twins and Umbridge? I mean, that they can definitely tell that's yeah. authentic. Yeah. What do you think? I think Imelda Staunton is going to be great. I mean, oh, I think so I can't too. wait. She, she, she just it. has the look. She has the look. I think. Yeah. I think she definitely like has I, it down. When I used to think of Umbridge, I kind of used to think of Professor uh, Sprout for some reason. Like that look of the, yeah. the person in the movie. Like that's what I used to think of, except like a mean version. Yeah. And I think uh, Imelda is going to do really well. Alex, have you seen the photos? I haven't. I was actually just trying to find them right now because I felt bad. Oh. But uh, I'm sure they're awesome. <laughs> He's sure they're awesome. The uh, and- Thestrals look a little conceptual, but I like the, the Umbridge look. She's really got it down. That's yes, I, I agree. Nothing? Okay. Young Wormtail yeah. looks good, too. <laughs> I think that picture is really good. Yeah, yeah. Micah, did, you, did, uh, did your Umbridge have white hair? Did anybody's Umbridge have white hair? No. Mine didn't. Because Mine had darker in hair. the book it said she had brown hair. So, my oh. umbridge has brown hair. Well, I'm a rebel of the books. <laughs> yeah. I read and I say that. That isn't really how it is. She's just fooling. But, as Micah said, the young Peter Pettigrew looks really good, too. I don't know. Do you like that? I mean, yeah. I think I think this is definitely a picture from HP Scenit, the way that, the way that thing looks. But, yeah, I, I think it looks exactly – it looks uh, – you know, the, the resemblance between – 
young Peter and you know Timothy Spall is pretty much uncanny. It looks really good. Yeah, I think it looks really good, but I've never been a fan of the way that they did Wormtail in the movies. I thought that while, yes, in the books it did say that he had some rat-like feature- features, they practically they made him look like uh, an overgrown rat, and that's one thing yeah. that I didn't like about it. Well, they, they kind of did that with everybody, though. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, I know. With, with Voldemort, with Voldemort, they kind of took the, the, snake, the snake imagery type thing to the max. So, yeah, it seems like they did it with more than just Wormtail. But I think, I think, I think the Harry Potter movies have some of the best actors and actresses. You know, there's no denying that, particularly the adults. Mm-hmm. And the, the kids have really progressed also. Now, in news besides the movie, uh, J.K. Rowling, you know, her battle with eBay continues, and she sued him. She sued him. Good for her. She did. Good for her. <laughs> now, is there anything to talk about here about her suing eBay? Well, what do you guys think about illegal copies on eBay? Like, you know, and how she's she, she's standing up for it, and, you know, they don't really... What does that mean for eBay? Does that mean you can never get a Harry Potter book on eBay? Or well, what, exactly what constitutes illegal copies of her books? That's what I want to know. Right. I, I to me, it's you know, it's either an ebook because those have never been officially released, or it's that, or it's a uh, a fake signed copy. And I think you know that's why a lot of celebrities aren't apt to sign autographs anymore because you'll have someone who comes in and says who get, gets an autographed copy and then. They sell it, turn around and sell it, you know, and that that's why a lot of times they they actually require personalization because if they don't, then someone's going to try to make a quick buck off of it, and that that's something that Joe battles too. You just have them make it out to eBay, just cut through yeah. the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dear dear eBay, dear eBay, <laughs> J.K. Rowling, yeah, yeah. In other news, J.K. Rowling also um, spoke out about multiple sclerosis because there was a drug. Um, that's really costly, and it's you know about thirty thousand dollars a year 15, per 000. patient. That's fifteen thousand pounds, so well, yeah. thirty thousand dollars or so a year per patient. And I guess they they said that can't be sold anymore. Is this right? Uh, I don't even think it ever was sold, at least not widely. Well, not, I mean, I guess I guess it won't be given to patients yeah. anymore. Despite right. its effectiveness or any of that, it's just that because it's so well, expensive. I, I bet they have universal health care over there is what the problem is. What, what they're going to have to do is appeal to whoever – I'm not sure who they have to appeal to, but doctors will have to appeal. They have to appeal to a health board. Yeah, to a health board for specific cases. So not everybody who's going to need it is going to get it. Yeah, and, Jake, and Joe said that. I know from personal experience that MS has a devastating effect on everyone who comes into contact with it. My mother suffered terribly with MS, and it was so frustrating that there was little or nothing doctors could do to help her. If a drug can help tackle MS, particularly the very aggressive type of relapsing MS we are talking about, it should not be ruled out because of cost alone. Once again, decisions about treatment are being made by accountants rather than clinicians, and I hope MSPs will speak up on behalf of the thousands of families affected by MS across Scotland. Well said. I mean, I personally, I've seen the effect of this disease, and I, it's someone that's sort of close to me. My high school uh, history teacher, he has MS, and it's just it's just weird that how much he's deteriorated over the past few years. You know, yeah. and I mean, she, Joe has a, she likes to speak out for worthy causes, so I agree with her, and particularly something that's really close to her, like her mother having it, you know, so. Yeah. 
hopefully, hopefully she can have some impact there in Scotland because, you know, that's really not fair. It's just, it's just money. Yeah, she's it. Well, that wraps up our news discussion. Now, we have some announcements this week. First of all, quickly, vote for us on Podcast Alley. We want to be number one. It's always fun. New month. Now, new month. Yeah, that's right. It is a new month. It's March now. So go ahead and vote for us on Podcast Alley. Now, also coming up in March, you know how we wrote that book. You know, MuggleNet.com, What Will Happen to Harry Potter 7, Who Lives, Who Dies, and how the adventure will finally end. Who falls in love? Sorry, sorry, that's in there too. Uh, Who falls in love is also in there. Don't forget. Um, we already did a few events. We did we did two in the Chicago area. Actually, there have been three in the Chicago area, and we have more coming up. And so I have a few dates for you. For those of you near Woodmere, Ohio, Emerson and I will be there on Monday, March twelfth. We don't have a specific time yet, but if you call that store, they will have a time very soon. For those of you near Exton, Pennsylvania, on Wednesday, March 14th, we will be having an event there. So come out. Well, there'll be Mugglenet stickers. That's a, that's a promise. Everyone gets a Mugglenet sticker. And we'll be giving away some free t-shirts, things like that. And finally, on Saturday, March 17th, at Carl Place, New York. I believe it's on Long, on Long Island. Mike, is that near you? Yeah, it is. How close is that to you? Not too far. Why? Who's going to be there? Are you going to be there? Yeah, we're going to be there. Emerson oh, well, and I then, are going to be there. Then Mike is not going to go. Mike, you're going to come? <laughs> you, dude, you're welcome to come out, man. Yeah, sure. No, I'll be there. That'd be great. Yeah, then we can go mess around in the city or something afterwards. But anyways, yeah, so there, there's three events that are confirmed at this time. We have two more. There's going to be one in the Chicago area or probably in the Chicago area or Detroit or somewhere in Ohio. We haven't decided the location still being worked out, so check back next week or check the website sometime this week because we're officially announcing dates. And then sometime between Ohio, excuse me, sometime between the Pennsylvania event on the 14th and the event in New York City on the 17th, there'll be another event probably in the Boston area. So keep your eye out on MuggleNet.com for an announcement regarding events. So... Yeah, you guys made number fun. four, huh? Didn't you? Yeah, New York number Times. four on the New York Times bestseller list. So it's it's all because of you. All of you. Wait, what? Number four, really? Yeah, on the, wow. the children's the children's bestseller list. Number oh, four, okay. children's. Okay, sorry. Oh, now, now he's disappointed. Oh, 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 you haven't bragged me about that yet. Well, well, tell me, Alex, where's where's your where's your album on the B- Billboard top on the Wizard Rock Billboard charts? Yeah, it's a number one. That's what I heard. <laughs> Probably not. What but. is it? Can, is it still called? Is the one called "Confessions from the Broken Wand"? It's called "Spells from a Broken Wand," but close, yeah. Uh, oh, well, sorry, <laughs> sorry about. No, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to up you, man. I'm not trying to. <laughs> hey, <laughs> trying yeah. To speaking you. of which, go That's to myspace.com/slash the Remus Lupins. Is that right? Yeah, it's even easier. You can go to fightevilreadbooks.com. It'll direct you. Fightevilreadbooks. That's such a good, you know, domain name to have. So go out and purchase Alex's album if you haven't already. We want to support the guy. He's a good wizard rocker. So go out and purchase Alex's album. Now, um, also another announcement we have. We have a project coming up soon. I'm just going to tease you all about this. It's for the fans. It's going to be awesome. There's some exclusive content involved. Maybe some merchandise type thing. So keep keep your eye out for that. It's coming in the next few weeks. You're going to love it. Finally, Jamie and I have interrupted the show for a special news announcement. Bulletin. No, a news bulletin, because you have to say that, because in America, they always say, we interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. No, you're wrong. You're no, wrong. They say either breaking news or news flash. Well, I'm sorry, you Andrew. don't use that silly word bulletin. That's only on MySpace. Well, I'm sorry, Andrew, but I've seen Dexter's Lab, and it says it all the time on their TV, so you're wrong. 
Well, Dexter's Lab is from the 90s. Really? And we're in the 20th, 21st <laughs> century here, so let's come on. Okay, sorry. Um, anyway, Jamie, we have a uh, big announcement about a, a huge announcement, yes. Should I do it? <laughs> Tell us more! <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought that um, pretty much well, summed big... it up, but... I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, yeah, that's it. I'll give, we'll you a see few, guys. give you a couple more details, maybe. Yeah. Just a few. Okay. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we asked people to... Uh, Send in their RSVPs if they'd be interested in coming to some sort of meetup in London on uh, St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. And uh, we got a lot of requests. Yeah. Got a lot of RSVPs. And you've been looking at some details. We've been working on something. And we have a fun thing. We do. Well, first Please. of all, we were thinking of having just a, a casual you know, park meetup, get some food, blah, blah, blah. But then we thought, well, what, what's the point in that when we can make it even bigger, even better, and, you know, and, and stuff like that? So... What we decided to do was look elsewhere for a conference room or a meeting room or something like that uh, where we we could have a live podcast and then fo- follow it up with a sort of meet and greet and giveaways and stuff like that. So what we've come up with is we're going to have an afternoon of Harry Potter filled fun at the School of Oriental and African Studies, which which has uh, two campuses and it's at and it's going to happen on one of these campuses. And basically, we're going to start off in the afternoon with a one-and-a-half-hour podcast in a lecture theatre, and then we're going to move from there into a, into a functional room, and we're going to all stand around and chat and talk about Harry Potter, and we're going to have giveaways and fun and prizes and all that kind of thing until 6pm. And clowns. And clowns. Um, nice clowns. Not Jamie's clowns. the clown. Yeah. <laughs> and all these kind of things, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And it's strictly limited to, to 150 people. So if you'd like to come, please email mcmeetup at gmail.com with your name, telephone number, address, and how many people you would like to come, up to a maximum of four people, please. Please note, only email this if you definitely would like to come, because we need to know exact numbers. Um, The cost per person is £2. Complete details will be posted on the site, including a map of how to get there, and all the times and stuff like that, and and it's going to be absolutely brilliant. So, And we look forward to seeing all of you there. So please think on it, and only email if you are definitely coming, okay? Thank you very much. If you do have a question, uh, don't email MC Meetup. Email Jamie at staff.mugglenet.com, yeah. uh, and then he can address your concerns. If you have, if you have to, we've gotten a couple of RSVP saying you have to bring a parent, that's fine. Uh, you know, bring a couple friends, limit four people, as Jamie said. Seriously, it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you if you live in the UK, uh, we highly highly uh, recommend that you come on down yeah. for an and afternoon of fun. Afternoon of fun. Sorry. I just said afternoon of fun following you, but um, yeah. In addition to what he said, it's uh, it's in an extremely central location in a very nice uh, old building in London, and um, we've got a great podcast planned and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you know, uh, please do come along. But as Andrew says, um, do not email questions to MC Meetup because they will be ignored. Please send them to Jamie at staff and only email MC Meetup if you are definitely coming. And all names will be checked against a list. So please don't be naughty and turn up without emailing first. Naughty, naughty. And um, naughty. again, get all the details on MuggleCast.com if you missed anything. And all you English chaps, we hope to see you there. Yeah. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Bye-bye. Speaking of Andrew, I mean, it's it's weird not hearing his voice. He's not here this week. Actually, he didn't want anybody to know this, but um, he's in a school's production of Equus. Playing Alan, yeah, isn't that right, guys? He's playing Alan. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, is, is yeah. That, so, so 
Hey Ben, this, I heard he's uh, getting rave reviews also. So yeah, I mean, Everyone I heard he got. A, I heard. I heard he got a standing ovation too. You know? So, so yeah. what's going to happen is so, he's going to meet up with Dan, and they're going to have like a, a dance off or like a standing <laughs> with horse off, and it's just going to be amazing. So yeah, stop by Andrew's high school, Shawnee High School, Friday, March twenty third, March twenty fourth. <laughs> you can see Andrew in the buff, and I mean in the buff. <laughs> For those of you who already have, of course, a note from him here, Ben. Do you mind if oh, I read really? it real fast? Yeah, he oh, go wanted. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is this is from Andrew to all of his loyal fans. He says, "I'm deeply sorry for not being on the show this week. I'm very busy pursuing my lifelong dream of becoming an actor. Hopefully, someday you will all see my name in lights. Stay at a place called Vertigo, Andrew. P.S. Next week I'll have video up of the suitcase destruction." So he really our, is. Our but much to the, the, the disappointment mm-hmm. of the fangirls, there won't be video up from his performance. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to sneak some <laughs> on YouTube, that's for sure. <laughs> Are you going, Ben? Yeah, of course Front I'll row, be there. right? <laughs> Front row. I mean, it's nothing I haven't already seen before, so no big deal. <laughs> I'm just kidding, people. Andrew's not really an equus. Well, we gotta, we gotta end this now before I get an email saying, I went to Andrew's <laughs> high school on the 23rd and, it and there was, was nobody it there. Was, the, where was Andrew? Was I Greece. wanted to see him naked. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we have, we have a few listener rebuttals this week. First of all, Roger Daring from Amsterdam writes, Hello, Mugglecasters. I love the show, but I found something you forgot. In Mugglecast number 74, a fan sent an email about the fact that the love in Harry's blood will weaken Voldemort, and you started a small discussion about whether they have or didn't have the same blood type, but I realized that this doesn't matter because Voldemort's body was forged from his father's bone, Wormtail's arm, and Harry's blood instead of just Harry. I think having flesh from the talentless Wormtail will contribute a lot to Voldemort's potential weakening. Anyway, Keep up the good work. Good point. I mean, yeah, the, the blood type wouldn't matter because isn't his blood Voldemort's blood from Harry? Isn't that? Yeah, my, he has Harry's blood. Now, did you guys actually spend a while, long time discussing that? I don't know if I was even. on I that don't show. remember ever talking about that. To be honest, I mean, I could be wrong, but well, I'm pretty we, sure we that we definitely the, talked about the topic. I'm, I don't know about well, blood type. I, I'm pretty sure that the blood type discussion happened on that other show. Hmm, I don't know. But thanks, thanks for sending in that rebuttal. We have another one here from Julie Freed from Israel. She writes, The significance of the phoenix feather and the wands is the, is the link to resurrection or, immorta- or immortality. Both Voldemort and Harry failed to be killed by the curse that backfired despite being touched by it. It was deadly enough to deprive Voldemort of his body, which he later remade u- using a magical formula. Voldemort aspires to immortality. Harry appears to have achieved it. Wands don't judge at the character of a wizard. They merely reflect the wizard's potential magical ability. Spells from a broken wand. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> end quote. <laughs> Does anybody have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I have something on that. I, she said both Harry and Voldemort failed to be killed by the curse that backfired despite being touched by it. The only reason Voldemort didn't die was because he had his horcruxes, not because there was a phoenix feather in his wand. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. So, I mean, Harry Harry always weasels his way out of everything, which is why I think he needs to die. I'm sorry, people. Get mad at me. Send me your hate mail. Harry needs to die. He, you know, he, Voldemort has had him under his thumb how many times now? Four times? Five times? He's, it's been a lot, okay? Now, you can only get lucky so many times, I think. So will you eat 50 jumbo sausages if Harry lives? Well, I think I think I said I was going to eat 72 inches of Subway if the book comes out this summer. I think that was a 
a promise I made. Alex, you told me that. <laughs> yeah. So are we actually going to have sure. like a panel yeah. of this, like Ben eating his Subway and Jamie eating his 50 sausages, like all at once? Well, I, that would be cool. I think we should. Uh, You're going to have yeah. to. And I video think we should. That, that would be awesome. YouTube. And then I, I guarantee you, I, I, let's put let's put some money on here. I bet you fifty bucks that Andrew that Jamie couldn't make it past twenty sausages. No, not even that many. He couldn't make it past fifteen. He's a wimp. I bet thirty. I bet small, th- no. I, I think yeah, Jamie could go all the way. He, he small stomach capacity. Well, actually, it depends on the size oh, of the sausages. Oh, you're right. You're right. I mean. I don't know if Jamie likes bigger sausages or smaller sausages. This is dangerous. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I, I know. So, dangerous so I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely. I'm not entirely sure. So, how about this? Let's cut it out. I I will bet you, Ben Shane, one hundred and fifty dollars that Harry Potter does not die. How about one hundred fifty dollars? American. American. Okay. Yeah. It's a deal. Uh, right. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. No, you're probably right. So I'm. I'm just like. <laughs> I'm just like pissing away one hundred fifty bucks. It's a bad idea. I, I I back out. <laughs> okay. Well, luckily there were no witnesses. With uh, with your book, uh, number four on New York Times bestseller, you certainly couldn't afford to lose a bet like this. Yeah. No. <laughs> Uh, thanks, thanks for that email, Judy. Holleen17 from California writes, Hey, Mugglecasters, I was listening to episode number 78. I was surprised when you, were, when you were talking about Harry inheriting the management of the Order of the Phoenix. Most of, most of you felt that Mr. Weasley would take over the Order. I, however, think that a good candidate would be Remus Lupin. Yes. Alex Carpenter, <laughs> you hear him? He's, he's right here. We, I win. Until now, he has been silent a but one of the most skilled members of the order. And I think he has great potential to become the new leader. I think it is his time to shine. Mr. Weasley is also very busy with work at the ministry, not to mention several kids at home. I love the show. It's my favorite thing to do, and I'm procrastinating on doing my homework. <laughs> yeah, we're just awesome. And I have <laughs> I have to say, I have a bit of crush on Eric. I know, cheesy. You know, I have to say help, that... Help, keep up the great work, <laughs> Pauline. End quote. Now... I, I was agreeing with her until the whole crush on well, well, No, and rightfully so, but I, I just really think that's probably the first rebuttal that actually said that. Everybody else is like, oh, by the way, Ben, you're so cute, or oh, by the way, Andrew is awesome, or oh, by the way, yeah, 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 yeah. And this has to be Pickles. like one of the first – one of the first – and Pickles, exactly, Laurie. Laurie, you sort through this. You know this. So yeah, I'm a little – I'm just feeling very loved right now. This is like – You should. This is the, the one of the only public displays of Eric affection that I've gotten so far. So oh, well. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so you get plenty of displays of private Eric affection? Do you also go by the name Helene 17 of California? <laughs> I, I, no, uh, I used to go by Pauline 18 of San Jose, but that's another story. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, back to what she was saying. She's saying that Remus Lupin could be able to take over the order a lot better than Mr. Weasley. Not necessarily better, but it's his time to shine. Now, I think that's an interesting point because, you know, since there's all this anti-werewolf discrimination, you know, then... Uh, like he can't really go out and just get any job, so it would make sense for him to take over something like managing the order. But I guess you know, during his time of the month, he wouldn't be able to help out very much. Well, but it's only for a few days. That's that's true. I mean, I think that he but would I be thought, better than Mister Weasley. I don't know what you guys were talking about last week. Well, I didn't know if he would be the best candidate. I thought he was still doing things for. At the time, Dumbledore, he was sort of infiltrating the werewolf underground, as he put it. And I think that might serve his purpose a little bit more, and the Order's purpose, if he's out there, you know, trying to rally some of the werewolves to his cause. Somebody who I think would be a good 
order leader would be Mad-Eye Moody. I don't know. I don't know if he has if he's practical I enough to do that. I think he's too paranoid. He, he turned yeah. yeah, he turned someone into a rat, a ferret, dude. So, I don't know. Well, that wasn't that wasn't him. Yeah. That's, this is oh, actually good, good. come up. Oh crap. Oh yeah, that yeah, wasn't, that wasn't, wasn't him. I'm yeah. so terrible. I'm quitting my little cast right now. <laughs> okay, bye. Yay. I totally agree with uh with Micah actually. This is something that's come up a lot. People have asked me, "What do you think is going to happen to Remus in the the last book?" And I want Remus to kind of take a, you know, Take the reins because I think he'd be a really cool character to do that. But I think Mad Eye Moody is is going to be the the character with. He's a veteran of the last war. He knows how to lead people. He knows how to defeat dark Good wizards. Point. And I wasn't I wasn't there on seventy eight, but I don't think that Harry would really be qualified. I guess you could say because I mean, like it's kind of like people say Harry should become headmaster of Hogwarts. Harry should become the minister of magic. That just doesn't work. <laughs> Because it doesn't fit into the storyline. He's going to be too busy finding the Horcry to Horcruxes to do any of that stuff. Well, Joe so. said that 17 is far too young of an age to enter the world of politics. And I think the same applies to uh, essentially leading a, a front in a position. war. <laughs> so, Well, he, in a way, he's going to be sort of a... Uh, what does de facto mean? Um, I used to know. It means what? being something without actually being something. Yeah, that's what I meant. He's going to sort of be a de facto leader in the war because he's not going to be the official leader, but he's going to be the he's going to be the one doing this everything. You know, he doesn't need to be involved in the uh, the organizing as much, but he needs to be. You know, he doesn't need to be the the what the go to the number one guy if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, the point yeah. is, he so, can't be. In that kind of position of compromise, because you have to, Harry has to be kept protected in a way, and putting him at the front of an organization like the Order of the Phoenix would be a risk. So I don't think that would be a good idea. Well, and, and I think he's going to be too busy anyways. So, okay, so thank you, Halloween. That's a very good point you brought up. And yeah, so Mad Eye Moody, go Moody. Lupin's cool too, right, Alex? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Now it's time to move on to this week's main discussion. This week we're going to talk about book parallels, you know, literary devices and all that jazz. Now this is a good week to have Alex on because Alex got a degree in English at the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA. So this is pretty much his uh, forte, wouldn't you say so, Alex, in a, in a way? Uh, yeah, hopefully I'll know what I'm talking about. So, awesome. Now, now Laura, you, you got this together. Do you care to... Yeah, sure. Kind of to uh, provide some background information so that people don't think I was pulling this out of my behind. Um, if you look at the series and kind of view book four as the centerpiece of the series, you can see that books two and six and three and five draw parallels off of one another. For instance, in Chamber of Secrets and Half-Blood Prince, there was the obvious Horcrux connection, um, the heavy references to a Harry-Ginny pairing. Harry also, in both of those books, puts his faith in a book Tom Riddle's Diary, and the Half-Blood Prince's Potion book that shields the identity of its owner. Dumbledore leaves a school directly as a result of the action of a Death Eater. Lucius gets him sacked in Chamber of Secrets, and Snape kills him in Half-Blood Prince. Harry suspects Draco as being behind the attacks in Chamber of Secrets, and Draco does turn out to be behind attacks in Half-Blood Prince, such as Katie and Ron's. Now, in Prisoner of Azkaban and Order of the Phoenix, there was a very strong presence of Sirius as a character. That didn't appear in any of the other books in the series. Sirius also gets close to, but never really gains his freedom, because in Prisoner of Azkaban, Peter escaped, and in Order of the Phoenix, he died less than an hour before Fudge admitted Voldemort was back. 
and places that are associated with death were prominent, like Azkaban and the Death Chamber. Uh, not to mention, Harry and his friends use flying magical creatures to save Sirius in both books, Buckbeak and Prisoner of Azkaban and the Festerals in Order of the Phoenix. So that just kind of gives you some clue as to really the strong parallels between books on opposite ends of the series, and I think that... So it's sort of like everything's going to come full yeah, circle. Yeah, it's kind of like a full circle concept, and I think that because of that, it's safe to assume that there's going to be a lot of parallels between the first book and the seventh book. So that said, I think we should start off with one of the most popular theories right now, which is Snape, good or bad. And I know we've discussed this to death, but in Sorcerer's Stone, Harry believed that Snape was a bad guy, but he turned out to be good. So does that bode well for Snape's character in the seventh book? Well, okay. Do you guys think there's a double red herring going on here? Do you know what I mean? Like, there was the first one where, oh, you think he's bad, but he's really good, you know? And then there's, oh, but you think he's bad, but he's still really good, you know? I mean, to me, in my mind, I I, I did an interview with uh, a person from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, did you really? You that, the AJC? Yeah. No way. That's the mm-hmm. biggest newspaper in the Southeast. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> they they they're talking about the book. And anyways, the guy who was doing the interview had read the books, and we talked for about ten minutes just about Snape, and we both were pretty convinced that he's on the good side. I mean, Alex, do you think that he's bad at all? Yeah, my line is that he's 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 a good guy, but he's a jerk. <laughs> he's a good guy. But he's a jerk. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes sense too, and I, I think that would definitely draw back to the parallel of the first book that this makes perfect sense because in the first book it looked like he was um it looked like he was trying to kill Harry you know, uh, yeah it looked like he was trying to kill Harry but in reality he was trying to save Harry's life and he kept heading off Quirrell when for example when uh, the troll broke into the castle you know he went to head Quirrell off with the three-headed dog you know, and when he disappeared, it looked like a bad thing, but in reality, it turned out to be a good thing. Yeah. Right. So, so his it, it's the looks can be deceiving type thing, and I think he's going to turn out to be good. Well, that also yeah. kind of yeah. goes back to that whole scene after Dumbledore was killed, where Snape could have easily killed Harry, captured Harry, done anything he wanted with Harry, and he wouldn't do it. Right. And I think that that's, that's well, another he's strong even teaching Harry even yeah. in the last few seconds there before he leaves. Doesn't he tell him to close his mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He does. I mean, he's doing everything in his power to still find a way to teach him. Right. Even and when also Yeah. Sorry, Eric, but what Ben was saying before, you know, he used the trolls as an example, but we also saw in the Quidditch match where he was actually chanting the counter curse, and if it wasn't for sort of Snape's cape getting ignited on fire, Quirrell would have never been distracted. So it that's just another example of Snape trying to help out Harry. The counter yeah, that was what's important. Well, that was sort of incidental, but the fact that he was muttering the the counter jinx, yeah, it really goes a long way to show his loyalty because that could have killed Harry right there, you know? That I mean, why wouldn't he? And the you know how at the beginning of Half-Blood Prince we hear Snape pretty much say tell Bellatrix, "Oh, yeah, I've been questioned by Voldemort. He's fine with me. Why shouldn't you be?" I think you know, I, I think Voldemort. Is I think being that was a load here. of crap. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, don't believe that. Do you honestly think that when he's <laughs> just think about it? He's out there. He's he's had him under his watch for six years. Why couldn't he kill him? You know, he could. He just didn't do it. Well, I think 
I mean, I think that Snape is a good guy, but I think we still have something left to find out about him. Something even more horrible than what he did by ultimately causing the Potter's death by being the spy that night at the Hogshead. I think that right. there's going to be something else that we find out about him, and it's going to be... Well, it already is. Gonna, it is a big conflict of interest for Harry because if Snape really is on his side, he doesn't want to kill him. But on the same hand, he's the reason that Harry's parents are dead. Right. So, well, Pettigrew is the reason Harry's parents are dead. Well, in my opinion, he betrayed. Well, he was part of it, but at the same time, Voldemort wouldn't have known about the prophecy if Snape hadn't. Right, That's so fine. it's sort of one thing led to another type thing, and he sort of got the ball rolling, but. I mean, he didn't pull the trigger, so to speak. Right. No, but he I have didn't. A question, but you guys. it's still go ahead. Um, and I've always sort of wondered this. You know, they say that Snape only relayed half the prophecy to Voldemort because that's all he heard. But it, what I'm not understanding is, I don't think Trelawney stopped in the middle of her prophecy. R- r- right. He got thrown out of the pub. Now, is that really true? Yeah, see, that's what I wondered. Like, because if he barged in, he, it's not like Dumbledore held up his hand and made Trelawney stop speaking. It almost seems to me that Snape knew the whole prophecy yes, and only told, told half Voldemort of it. half of it. Right now, that now that would be interesting. I mean, that would sort of fit into what you're saying that if he if he only chose to tell Voldemort half of it, then he was obviously able to block Voldemort out of his mind in order to keep the rest of it from him to prove that he wasn't lying. Well, it also it also kind of supports the theory that Snape's actually a double agent and he's in this for himself and he's just playing both sides to his benefit. No, I don't really I don't really buy that theory. What does he obtain? No, I though? don't either, but he obtain I mean, if he's someone who's seeking power, he's playing t- the two sides of this war and he's getting all the benefits. He doesn't of strike it. me as a power-hungry person. Yeah, he's not well, I don't know. He doesn't strike me that way either, but I'm saying that the theory that he would feed half of the prophecy to Voldemort to get the ball rolling kind of supports not, I mean, that. Not really. I think it supports the good side, that he gave him enough info, but he didn't give him all of it. You know what I mean? He ga- but if he, if he was completely good, if his, if his intentions were completely pure, why would he give him any of it at all? And that, I think you're ascribing a lot of yeah, you're foresight right. to Snape also. I mean, think how many years of planning which side he was going to trick that takes. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not like he could yep. play the good side and then play the bad side. If he's really on the good side the whole time, he'd have to have the whole thing right. planned out, which would be That's true. hard. It would be like Dumbledore level. I don't think he's quite there. Yeah, now, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry to move on, but I think people might be a little tired of us discussing Snape, because yeah. we've devoted, with this is show number 78, I bet if you went and added up all the audio, there's probably enough for an entire show. I mean, we, we've done I mean, a Snape. Seven, no, no, more, more than, than more entire than show. One entire yeah. show. Probably a week of shows. There's probably four hours of Snape, four hours of Snape discussion. Uh, easily eight <laughs> or twelve. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, so. Um. Okay, Um. Ron <laughs> dies in the chess match. In book one, he didn't really die, but you know his character is uh, his character. whatever his rook, his pawn. I don't play chess; I'm I'm an idiot. An idiot. But anyways, his knight. Yeah, his knight gets killed. So is he going to die in book seven? Because a lot of people talk about the chess match foreshadowing what happens in book seven. And if so, is he killed by the queen, Ooh. or in this case, Bellatrix? Alex, I want to hear what you had to say. Well, I I'm gonna pour cold water all over what you guys are saying. Um, I think that. I agree with the fact that there are definitely parallels here, but they're all parallels that you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't know until you'd read the next book. I know that sounds weird, but 
I don't think these are parallels you can use to predict. You know, like there are things that become evident after you've read the book that Sirius is, you know, was, was, was an important character in these two books that you wouldn't really, you couldn't predict that Sirius was going to be an important character. And I think that looking at that chess match and projecting it directly in terms of characters living or dying in a specific manner is not going to really well, get us anywhere. Wouldn't you say that based on the pattern that we've seen of books on opposite ends of the series having some connections that it's logical to assume that book one and book seven will have strong parallels. No, I, I totally agree with that. But I'm just saying it's sort of like predicting the weather. It'll be easier to see in hindsight. Like what you choose to be a parallel. But I mean, right. I don't think that's unlikely though, because I mean, everyone's like, yeah, the trio has to make it through. The trio has to make it through. <laughs> Kill them all. I say. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't hate me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just, you're out yeah. for blood. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it makes sense that, you know, because we had a discussion, you know, X amount of episodes back about the chess match itself, how what goes on there parallel could parallel something or foreshadow something in book seven. Now, I, in terms of him being killed by Bellatrix, I mean, th- that, that would be interesting, too. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe I just don't want to have that happen. So I'm blocking it out. Well, yeah, the thing blocking. is, I feel it's one of the only things that I don't have a set opinion on is whether the trio will live or die. And it's like some days I feel like, oh, I want them all to live. I want them all to live. And other days I'm like, that would be so unrealistic if at least one of them didn't die. So part of me wants one to die and part of me wants them all to live. And I I can't really decide. It's horrible. I know. Now, Bellatrix, I think she's going to be killed by Neville. Oh, I think so too. That's a given. But do you? I don't know about this whole revenge idea. Do you know what I mean? Is I don't know. If- it seems like it goes against every other thing that that uh, J.K. Rowling is saying in these books about right, love right. and so, forgiveness like, and all that. Like, that all this whole book is just going to be filled with killing people who. Yeah, and I don't think that's right. I mean, great. like you know, like the the do two wrongs make a right. You know, you've heard the saying, "An eye for an eye makes the whole world yeah. blind." That type of thing, and so. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see as many deaths as we think. It's not going to be an enti- a complete blood bloodbath, that's for sure. No, but-, but I think we should also remember, and I don't specifically remember where Joe said this, so don't ask me for a source, but I seem to remember Joe saying that she wasn't out to implant morals to people when she was reading these or writing these books. And so well, I think she means that in a, in a religious sense because it was, but she wasn't they weren't really talking about religion oh, really? like there was someone there was someone asking her you know are you trying to instate the morals of you know friendship loyalty and and she's like well I'm not trying to teach people morals by writing these books and I think that that kind of applies to um killing out of revenge because her characters are human they're not they're not these perfect high moral people all the time so they're gonna do things that aren't necessarily right right even if it might seem right you know what i'm saying no i i agree i think it would be more realistic for this last book to be a bloodbath but um i'm just saying going off of what she's shown in the first six books it seems unlikely to me as much as i'd love to see everyone being killed just get owned really hardcore yeah by neville (laughs) but let's be realistic here is isn't bellatrix is a trained dark wizard okay she knows she's she's good she knows all these things neville defeating her 
isn't that sort of like a David versus Goliath type thing? A an upset? Yeah, but who? Yeah, well, Ben, who yeah, who, who won? won that? Who won that one? Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it doesn't. <laughs> well, no, it's seem exactly that. Like the likely, the likely thing. I think something to remember was if you look at the opening chapters of Half Blood Prince, it was very clear that Bellatrix was starting to come become like unwound. You could see that she was starting to lose it. She didn't really have the same coolness that she had when we saw her before. Because Voldemort didn't want as much to do with her anymore. She wasn't as trusted. So I think that she's starting to lose her personality, which made her so dangerous. Right, I agree. Also, in defense of of Neville, we know that those specific curses that ones he'd have to use to kill her are based on how much you mean them. And I can't imagine a character meaning more than Neville a curse more than, the, more than Neville. Because that's how his parents were robbed away from him too. So definitely. Well, one thing I was going to say though is is look at Order of the Phoenix and look at Half Blood Prince, and you still had Neville, Luna, Ginny, and yes, I know there was the whole luck potion going on in Half Blood Prince, but they still fought against the Death Eaters and still held their own. Right. So I think I think there comes books. a time when you. When you reach a point where you're a good, you're a good solid wizard, and even though, I mean, you're not going to get, you're not going to get completely stomped. You know what I mean? Like if a first year went up against a, a, a grown wizard, they're going to get killed because they, they don't have the the knowledge and all that stuff. And then that's why I thought the, the dueling club was really important, which I was kind of ticked off that they discontinued that. Yeah, really. Because that's where a lot of them learned a lot of their spells, and it's where they were taught practical defense against the dark arts. You know, rather than this, the bunk they were being taught by Umbridge. So I agree. Yeah, so I, I think that you know, even though the Death Eaters maybe may, I mean, the adult wizards may have more experience. I think the youth still have the skills, you know, necessary to. I mean, if it was a formal duel, perhaps they wouldn't win. But you know, anything goes. They, they can, yeah, they can exactly. Pull it off. I don't see the Death Eaters as doing formal yeah, duels. Yeah, definitely. It's not going to happen. Okay, another parallel. After Harry defeats the King in the chess match, he moves on to two more chambers, the Potions and the Stone One. Will there be more circles after Harry kills Voldemort? Could this involve Snape or Bellatrix or even a betrayal? Now, I think the struggling thing with the multiple with the multiple chambers could be, you know, because he got the Voldemort. He's going to have all those struggles before getting the Voldemort, not after getting the Voldemort. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's true, but if you're looking just solely at the chess match, what I was thinking was after, you know, whenever Harry checkmates the king and the king drops his sword and Harry leaves, he still has a couple more tasks that he has to do. And coincidentally, the one following the chess match was Snape's room with the potion bottles. And so I was wondering if possibly his confrontation with Snape will be after. Well, well I think ball. Snape is going to end up helping Harry in the end. Yeah, possibly. Well, one thing that was mentioned though, and I think it's an editorial, I could be wrong, but they say that the seven tasks that Harry had to go through to finally get to the room, including this, the, the last room with the mirror and the stone and Quirrell Mort or whatever you want to call them um, actually <laughs> represents the seven books so that room right before the one with the mirror represents Half-Blood Prince which would make sense when you think about it because of all the potions that were involved mm, that's interesting but what would uh... f- how would Fluffy represent 
the first book, like falling through a trap door. Well, it's the entrance into hell, just as the first book is the entrance into the magical what, world. What was the Not second the magical room, world hell, <laughs> but the double the snare. Double snare. And how could that be related to book two? Oh, it was it was um down in a chamber. It was a dark, damp yeah, place. Yeah, that's true. Dark, no, damp place. Oh my gosh, now, what about that's book cool. Three? What was the third chamber? I'm not familiar. I forget. The brooms, uh, flight, yeah. the, the brooms Quidditch, and the keys, and the flight Beak. and the key to the past. Beak, yeah. And now, yep. what about the fourth room? What was it? Um, the troll. Fourth one was a troll. So large obstacles, large animals to defeat, but they were already defeated. Um, which kind of is like what happened what, in the with, uh, what Crouch Junior did with the maze. Um, what, what I think true. happened, especially at the beginning of this episode, this is this is really cool. But I think what happened at the beginning when we introed this discussion, Laura, I think you went a little bit too fast with the, like all of the reasonings and stuff, like how this happened and this happened and this happened. I think it all went fast. I think we should have like stopped and said, okay, wait, and, or at least, like, that built up what we're talking about now, obviously, that there are connections between books, but there are also connections between all seven books, well, you know, yeah, I mean, there are, it's obviously sequels, but then there are some that kind of stick out more than others, and, and, and stuff like that, but I, th- I like the, um, I like what we're talking about, but I, I just think it, it went a little bit too fast, maybe, so, like, we, if we have topics about the third book or something, we should just bring them up, too. Okay, because like we seem to we seem to just jump to the conclusion that one is going to match up with seven. Well, no, and that's it's not. True. Those are like that's the two not what that I'm are... saying. I'm saying that we're just looking at essentially. The, I, we're just looking at the comparison taking, between each of them. Yeah, I'm taking this point of view because it's a narrower perspective, and I think that trying to draw parallels between each book, between yeah. every book and the other six books would be far too broad. Right, so <laughs> it would take forever. It's true. It's true, and, and just um, just the fact that it's the first book in the series and the last book in the series, I think they'll have a lot in common as far as uh, at least storytelling goes. Uh, they're almost opposites. They're almost you know, but but they're also sequels and also book seven is just so much. It's really cool. Back to what uh, we were talking about before with the different rooms and the two rooms after the uh, the chess match. I think just in terms of a storytelling literary device that works really well also that the the last page of book seven isn't going to be Voldemort's last words there has to be the challenges that come exactly. after that and in sort of the hero cycle the going home aspect after you've defeated the um the bad guy it's so, sort of like the winding down i mean you, you beat the bad guy what do you do then you know it's retire that type of thing i don't know <laughs> well, I can see, I can see you know back to what we were talking about before about finding Precisely. something. No, Ben, he was completely energized. <laughs> finding out something that uh, we didn't know about Snape that that would you know hook up to that the potions room there that um, we find out something that Snape had done maybe in the last two books we didn't know about or something that he just did um, to help Harry win. Actually, I bet Harry when he gets done he's gonna write a book. Harry Potter's What Happened in My Life. <laughs> Who lived, <laughs> who died, who fell in love, and how my adventure finally ended. There and back uh, there, there. There you have it. But he's still not going to outsell. He's death. still not going to outsell our book. Then, of course so. not. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, who moving died? on here. Um, Dumbledore is tricked into leaving the school, and it appears that he was tricked into his death. He does come back in book one. Does this mean we'll hear something about him in book seven? Joe recently told Dan that Dumbledore is dead, but alluded that there will be something. What could it be? She her exact words or something along the lines of it. Dumbledore is giving me trouble. Yeah. So, hmm. Do you guys think Dan got in trouble for, bringing, for saying that to the public? No way. I don't know. No. I don't think so. It's, it smacks He's... of like an intentional leak all over the place. Exactly. Because it got so much press. He's Dan. He's allowed to run around naked, so he can do whatever also he wants. Also true. 
He's getting paid yeah. to run around naked, by the way. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Very good. It's point. like my life's dream. Now, um, do you think that uh, what do you think that it was talking about was the Dumbledore's hey, that's portrait? Theater, was Laura. what was giving Joe trouble? Exactly? <laughs> we talked, we discussed this before, but just to review briefly. I don't know. Do you think maybe Dumbledore might have left something for Harry? I think he's in a you know perhaps his pensieve or something like that. Yeah, I think so too. But I don't know. I'm just trying to think of. I mean. Dumbledore is one of the only characters who I could think of who could actually cause someone trouble after their death yeah. because he's Dumbledore. He's so complex. And it's like, <laughs> this is the guy who caused trouble at a school that he wasn't even at. <laughs> so I just, I really don't know what he could possibly yeah, do. Yeah, Dumbledore is definitely like, coming back in Book 7 in some shape or form. But I don't know in terms yeah. of a parallel to Book 1 if that's really, you know, if she was intending for that to be there. But it's no, just, it, it just but... interesting to point out that... Dumbledore never goes away for for good. <laughs> that, that even though it seems like he was, you know, not going to be there whenever Harry was being attacked by Voldemort, he came back right at the right time. One and thing I think we brought up, some way, go ahead. On last week's show was the whole idea of him being tied so closely to Fox and being tied to a bird that was very closely associated with immortality, and. It's always said that the phoenix rises from its ashes. We know Dumbledore is dead. She said it. But I just can't help feeling that there's something more to it that we don't know about. And we'll find out. Maybe. But I don't think Dumbledore is going to come back from the dead. I don't think we're going to see a ghost. Nothing like that. No, but even if you look at what happened at his funeral when the pyre shoots up into flames and Harry swears that he sees a phoenix take off. I mean, what what did you guys make of that? Was that his Patronus, you know, delivering a message to the Order? You know, what was it? I kind of took it as him moving on. Yeah. His spirit, going wherever his spirits go. Interesting. Because, you know, like as he said, it's the next, the next greatest adventure, you know. <laughs> his soul, yeah. his spirit going up. Okay, yeah. Um, Dumb- the Miravera said, talk about it briefly, it played an important role in book one. Now is there going to be a return of the two-way mirror. Joe has been very shady when asked questions about it, uh, what's going on with it. So what do you guys think? Is there going to be a return? I think so. There has to be because absolutely, it, it was never explained and Joe even said we would see it again. What I thought was interesting was the other night whenever I was working on this, I was thinking about, you know, what could be some possible connections between these two books. And you think about the fact that in the first book, Voldemort was trying to achieve immortality by using the Sorcerer's Stone. and the seventh book, he's going to be, you know, he's been trying to achieve it, but Horcrux's will play a huge part in his attempt to be immortal in the seventh book. And Harry was, you were supposed to use the mirror of Erised to find the stone. So what if uh, the two-way mirrors have something to do with finding Horcruxes? Well, one of them is broken. (laughs) Um, One of them is behind the veil. And we don't know I, that I, for sure, though. Oh, okay. We don't. We don't. We don't. You're, you're right. But I mean, based on what we've said before on the show about two-way mirrors and used as communication, I uh, I think they don't have the same qualities. I would like to see the mirror of Erised again, and I believe we will. But I don't know about two-way mirrors helping him find the Horcruxes. Um, except, you know what, except to say, we do know that the locket, if the locket is the Horcrux, that it's a Grimald place, which is where Sirius's two-way mirror could be. But I think it is a uh, stretch. 
as far as actually, two I doubt I doubt that the locket is at Grimmauld Place anymore. Really? I think that Mundungus Fletcher took it. And yeah, he and he it. has to track down Dung. <laughs> yeah. And he sold it to Lucius Malfoy. <laughs> no. Man. Not the thing that I found. Go the ahead. importance of the two-way mirrors. But I like the idea sort of of what you said with the mirror of Erised in book one. Well, why don't we take it to book seven? If it shows you what you truly desire, can it show Harry where the Horcruxes are? I s- we've we'll talked about this limits, before. Yeah. And we got into this whole debate as to how, as to what the limits of the Mirror of Erised are, and I believe it was Jamie that thought that yes, you could find Horcruxes because the Mirror is infinite and it knows all, but I thought that the Mirror is limited based on what no, it, the person looking in it knows. It, yeah, it's not only that, but it shows your it shows your desire. It's going to show him with the Horcruxes, holding whatever. the Horcruxes. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's well, like the same thing. Can you? Could Harry walk by the room of requirement and be like, oh my gosh, I want 50 Horcruxes to be in there so I can destroy them all, or all the rest of the Horcruxes? It doesn't work that way. You just can't. Well, yeah, but but also, I mean, I, I think I probably was of that same opinion when, when we talked about it before, but I think now, would you guys remember, like, how Harry got the stone to begin with? According to Dumbledore, it was because he wanted to get the stone to find it, but not to use it. Yeah, but that to was destroy because it, Dumbledore... Voldemort from Dumbledore specifically put a spell on the mirror to make it work that way. Why it isn't that the mirror's work that magic? Way with everything. I thought it did. Well, it's just I not. thought that's why I thought no, I thought he it did work that way with everyone because he said that's one of my more brilliant. No, but it's only it's only you know. that way with the stone though. That's what I'm saying. The stone is the only thing you could actually get from the mirror because really? if it were the case that you could get whatever you wanted, Harry's family would have been standing behind him in that room. Well, wanted not to use, wanted to destroy. If he wanted to individually uh, destroy his family, destroy they his family, they, they might. Have, you know, they might have. So. I don't. I don't know. It's just it's it's not what you say what you want to do, but what you actually want to do. Your heart's deepest desire. But I think that the mirror was specifically enchanted. Um, enchanted so that you could only get the stone, not anything you wanted, because that could be very dangerous <laughs> if you gave people anything they wanted. Well, presumably only Harry and Dumbledore know how to know how to use the mirror. Hmm. Now I have something well, interesting though. Harry didn't know how to use the mirror when he first got the stone. He didn't figure it out until afterwards. So obviously anyone could do that if they didn't want to use the stone. Yeah, it's possible. So, uh, I don't going along these lines <laughs> with the whole, okay, it showed up in book one and it'll show up in book seven, you know, there is some strong evidence for that because if you look in book two, we first see the cabinet and then the cabinet shows up again in Half-Blood Prince. Precisely. It has an enormous significance. I'm sure we could find other things that made an appearance in book three that showed up in book five and, you know, play along those lines, but... I definitely think that there's a, there's an opportunity for that in the last. And again, book. I mean, there's there's one-off opportunities for one for book one to have similarities with four, but these are actually main similarities. Like you said, the, the vanishing cabinet, you know, uh, Gilderoy Lockhart as well. But that Gilderoy Lockhart is the two to book five, you know, thing. But they, so there are some that are and some that aren't. But it's just um, we are due. I mean, according to, I think J.K. said, as Laura said that. I think we're due to see it, so it'd be interesting, I think, to learn the past of it, the the past history, because if you remember, Dumbledore said men have wasted away before it in the past, so I really wonder how long that mirror has been around, and if we'll find out about the past, or maybe see it in a memory, or someone else's memory. 
But now I'm thinking about Lost and how they're going to show uh, oh, Libby. And so I have to actually get going. <laughs> I have theater class. I have university. I got to go. Okay. Well, so say goodbye, Eric. I'm Eric Skull. See you later, everyone. <laughs> bye, Eric. Bye, Eric. Okay. Bye. I kind of like this. Um, sorry. I kind of like this whole um, parallels between books on opposite ends of the series. So. This is what I think. You guys tell me if you disagree. I think that listeners, if you discover anything that you think is major, you should send it into MuggleCastStaff.MuggleNet.com. We could maybe make a segment out of it. Like, you know, if someone sends in a really good one, we could feature it. Um, but I would honestly say nothing lame. Like, oh my gosh, Harry was drinking pumpkin juice on page 300, and he was doing the same thing on page 300 of book six. Or how so, about this? Ron, good stuff. Ron is in book two <laughs> yeah. and also in book six. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and here's that the crazy part. Wow. He good has good. red hair in both books. That's all I'm saying. Oh my gosh. Check it out yourself. <laughs> Go ahead. So that wraps up our main discussion. As Laura just said, send in your parallels between the books. And if you have any main, other main discussion ideas, something you'd like for us to discuss, we're open to ideas. Email mugglecast at staff.mugglet.com. So go ahead and send that in. <laughs> so since I'm on the show, I just have one request. Is it possible we can do like a what if segment right now? I always wanted to do one of those. Oh, geez, Alex. <laughs> funny you bring that it's up. It's funny you should mention that. Now, what if, here we go. What if Harry had shown Snape the Half-Blood Prince Potions book instead of Ron's? Hmm. What would have happened? I don't know. This is why I told you guys to come up with another he, he one. would have gotten in a lot of no, trouble. No, no, it's fun. He, yeah, he would have yeah. gotten into a bunch of trouble. What do you think, Micah? I think Snape would have fall. Sorry, I think Snape would have fell over in shock because he knew what was up. He knew what was going on. He knew what book Harry had, in my opinion, and he did exactly what Snape expected him to do. He showed him Ron's book instead of the book Snape really knew that he had somewhere. I mean, with with how well Harry was doing. It just uh, Snape's not a stupid guy, and not to mention, Snape can read Harry's mind. Right? Who knows if he was delving in there to get information? Now this is kind he of may have known the truth all along. Sorry, sorry, my God, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I can't specifically remember the timeline of events in their order. Um, did Harry at that point had Harry already gotten the memory from? Um, um, Slughorn about Horcruxes. Um, because if he hadn't, and Snape had gone to Slughorn talking about how Harry wasn't really good at potions because he was just using some old book, Slughorn might not have trusted Harry and not given him the memory. It's true. So, hmm, maybe it's more important than we think. Who here has seen It's a Wonderful Life? Uh, yeah, no, yeah. You know, it's sort of like everything, one thing leads to another, you know? Like, if you think about it, if well, it Harry's like the par- whole, Yeah, the whole end of that book wouldn't have happened if Snape had busted him about the potions book. Right, and if Harry, if Harry's parents would have waited one more day, okay, just one more day to conceive Harry, it wouldn't have even, he wouldn't <laughs> even be in question. You know what I mean? It's James' it fault. It wouldn't be Harry. It's all James' fault. Just calm down. <laughs> now to wrap up the Sorry. show this week, my favorite segment, A Chicken Soup for the Mugglecast Soul. I think I, I'm going to change the title of this. I am formally changing the title. Since Andrew's not here to argue with me, I'm doing whatever, I've want, whatever I want. This is now 
chicken soup for the MuggleCast listener's soul. So there you have it. What? That's yeah. too long. Too bad. It's the name is officially changed. I no, want to see not. this. I want to see this on the Wikipedia entry, please. Okay. No, don't do from it. From Carrie Henneberry, thirty, from Portland, Maine. She writes. I wanted to write and thank you guys for putting in so much effort. As funny and quirky as you all can be, the fact remains that MuggleCast staff makes thousands of Harry Potter fans think deeper and laugh harder at ourselves on a weekly basis. I turned 30 on February 2nd and was in a reflective mood, which was, which was magnified when finding out the book release was due out in July. I found myself contemplating where the time had gone. I got married and had three babies right alongside of the Harry Potter book releases. So the question remained... Where has all the time gone? As I stared at the bus that announced Joe had finished writing Deathly Hallows, panic mingling with my pre-existing fear of turning 30 had caused me, as Mrs. Weasley said, to have the fit, to have a fit of the sullens. My husband asked me what was wrong. I explained about the series coming to an abrupt halt and asked him, where did the time go? I felt like I was broadsided by a bus. Not only had I stepped over that invisible age line, but my beloved series was coming to an end. With an understanding smile, he simply pointed at my three sons who were playing in the bedroom. It hit me suddenly why the, the two issues were so closely relinked. Harry Potter has been my refuge for over six years. My oldest son, Liam, was diagnosed with autism six years ago. Then four years ago, my other son, Nicky, was diagnosed as well. My son struggled daily to succeed in what has come a second nature to you and I. My family has their ups and downs, tears and laughter. But through our but throughout this emotional roller coaster, I call my twenties. That's it, Ben. You're done. Whoops. You're done. No, no, I'm not done. It's really long. <laughs> but through, I, I had the wrong reflection there. But throughout this emotional roller coaster, I call my twenties. I realized I had one constant thought that brought me more laughter, sheer happiness, and blissful brain cramped sleuthing that kept that helped me turn off the stress. Harry Potter and MuggleCast. So when my family goes to bed at night and the lights go off, I slip on my iPod and try my darndest not to laugh out loud at your antics. I woke my son up laughing at Robius Hagrid, Keeper of Keys and Grounds at Hogwarts. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ben. <laughs> so, when the day is gone and I'm ready to drop the, from exhaustion, you guys are always there to ebb away the stress, and for that I can never thank you enough. Carrie Henneberry. That is very sweet. Seriously, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Very nice. This whole I can't believe it's coming to an end either, you know? That, that's sort of... That's sort of the same sentiment that I reflected because I just realized I can't. I can't like last year. I don't remember what happened. Like in terms of my junior year of high school or my sophomore year of high school or my freshman year of high school, I don't remember it. Like, I mean, I, I can remember some specific specific events, but I, I don't know. It's just it's it's all, it's all gone by in a blur. Last thing I knew, I was meeting Alex at Lumos, so and now now it's almost you know seven months later. Getting all sentimental about it. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. That's a really sweet line. I probably that's, will cry. That's amazing. I here's two. That. Here's two. Book seven, two thousand seven. Right, that's, Alex. It's the new song, right there. Uh huh. So, Alex, are you gonna write us uh, an intro for a song for a MuggleCast? No, I'm not. But I am gonna. Will you I'm, gonna, I'm gonna play a song that makes fun of Andrew because he's not here. But I'll do that in the future at some point. Oh. But can you please like do a, a MuggleCast song? I'll, I'll see what I can like work out. I'll call it Muggle, like I'll call it muggle Antics. Will not soon be forgotten. Okay, everybody. We have a P.O. Box for you. P.O. Box 223, Moundridge, Kansas. Send us anything, everything, whatever. I mean, we're open, you know, 
cookies. Don't forget the zip code. Don't forget. Oh yeah, six seven one zero seven. Did I say that? No. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Moundridge, Kansas, six seven one zero seven. Now we have. I have some phone numbers here for you too, in case you want to give us a buzz. If you know what I'm saying, please keep your voicemails underneath sixty sec- thirty seconds. Excuse me, thirty seconds. If you live in the United States, you can dial one two one eight twenty magic. Or if you live in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-8144-0677. Or if you live in Australia, you can dial 02-8003-5668. You can Skype the username MuggleCast. You can email us at MuggleCast at staff.mugglenet.com. You can also email us on um, MuggleCast.com. For For more information, check out our website. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. That does it for us here this week. I've enjoyed this time, Georgia time. Um, yeah, Alex, thanks for coming out and having a good time with us. Thanks. Wait, I gotta, I gotta say one more thing, because I, I haven't had a chance to. Um, I promised Paul from Harry and the Potters I would mention the fact that there's a Wizard Rock EP of the Month Club, whose proceeds are all going to um, literacy promotion. So MuggleCast listeners should check out wizardrockclub.com and check it out. Awesome. Now, um, quickly, quick, quickly, go ahead, Micah. Um, I'll just run through them. MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, Last.fm, the fan listening forums, dig.com, Podcast Alley, and Yahoo Podcast. Yeah, don't forget all those. Good job, Micah. And one final thing. Oh, yeah, check out MySpace.com slash The Remus Lupins or FightEvilReadBooks.com for more. Thank you, Alex, for joining us. I'm Ben Shane. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Micah Tannebel. And I'm Remus Lupin. Wow, I actually went second that time. <laughs> Can you hey. believe this? Next week, do you know what we are, Ben? We're 80, folks. We're Octa We're, We're going to have dentures. We're Octa Nigerians. That's how you say it. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>